everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the I'll Be Back podcast. Uh, this week, we are jo- joined by Sam Newman of Al Scoop. Last week, we had Sam Cohn, so we're we're completing the full return of the Sams. <laughs> so, Sam, thanks for joining us. Yeah, happy to be back. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Uh, I am drinking a mango white claw. This was the first thing I saw in my fridge, and Sam actually has class in about an hour, so he is going to be a responsible student uh, and not drink, which uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> No, no um, words on afterwards. So we yeah, got some March Madness uh, opening four games tonight. So oh, oh yeah, I'm sure that's that's probably a, a big time. Uh, just watch that at the house, I guess. Yeah, yeah. With the roommates, yep. Cool. Um, so I guess we'll start off with basketball, whose season came to an end uh, last week in the the conference tournament. Um, disappointingly, but not as surprising, you know. Uh, so what were your thoughts on that? I mean, it was an up and down year depending on what your expectations were, you know, maybe not the best year, but what, what are your thoughts on how they finished the year and uh, kind of going forward? What are you thinking? I mean, honestly, coming into the season, I thought they were going to be a, you know, 500 team at, at best. And I think if you look at a lot of the games, it could have, it could have gone that way. I mean, I mean, three or four or five, I don't know off the top of my head, a lot of the games came down to the final session. So, you know, um, I, I think, you were for me. I was able to see glimpses of where Aaron McKee wants his program to go, the direction he wants it to, and I, and I really like the direction. Um, he they obviously had two players who, who didn't really play, except Sage Tolbert, who had eight minutes. The two guys who who are going to be critical parts of what they do defensively and, and all offensively. Um, and we actually had assistant coach Jimmy Fenry on our podcast at owlscoop.com yesterday, and, and he kind of talked those guys up. And I mean, essentially, they're going to be big parts of what they do going forward. Um, I wasn't necessarily surprised that they lost USF. I thought they were going to beat USF. My, um, you know, optimistic <laughs> right there. But, I mean, they, they nearly did. They nearly pulled that off uh, at the end there. But, um, I mean, you know, we, we hear from the fans. And, um, you know, I understand the frustration. And it's, it's hard to ask teams, uh, you know, Temple fans to be patient when they haven't gone to the second round of the tournament in over a decade. Um so I get that. I get that. But I think you have to look at it in a vacuum and in a COVID year. And I think this team is certainly headed in the right direction. Um, you know, if next season, if nothing, you know, improves and we can look at that and say, okay, yeah, th- then we can start having that conversation. But I think it's so premature for, for people to be like just freaking out. And, and I mean, the, the stuff that, that happens to them is you're like, you know, the turnovers, the poor shooting, it's that and the other it's, I mean, it, it all can get can kind of be contributed to. I mean, they had 15 practices before they started the season. That's not a lot. They were in they program paused like different times throughout the season due to positive COVID test. Um, they're a young team. I mean, there's it's I like I said, it's hard to ask fans to be patient. But I think, you know, we have a glimpse of I mean, guys like Jeremiah Williams, who was able to come in and do as a freshman. Damian Dunn, Caleb Battle, and then you have, you know, some guys coming in like Hasir Miller, um, Zach Hicks, and then some returning players like Jake Forrester. Uh, and, you know, I, I like the direction that the program is headed into. I understand that not everybody is ready to jump in first with McKee, and I know a lot of people have questions as, as, as to really what's, what's, you know, the plan here. But I think you saw, Sean, I think you saw a mold of what they want the roster to be. And, they're, they're going in the right direction. But like I said, if we want to have that conversation next year and it's not apparent, like I'm willing to have that conversation, but I think Aaron McKee deserves the benefit of the doubt for now, especially because 
I look at this as being his first true season. I mean, yeah, his first season a head coach, he took over a roster where, I mean, he the only player that came in as a recruit from him was like non-transfer was Damian Down. I mean, he did a part in getting Nate Pierre-Louis there when yeah. he was an assistant coach on Aaron McKee's staff, but he, I mean, he brought in Monty Scott and, and Damian Down. So it wasn't really his team. So, I mean, they started off nine and three, ended up going, I think 12 and 17, if I'm not mistaken, maybe, um, I think maybe better or worse. I'm not sure. And then this year was like, okay, this is the first glimpse of its team. It's not something that's going to ha- happen overnight. I mean, yeah, would they have liked like to shock everybody and make the tournament? Sure, but that was never the end goal here. So um, I, I think it's it's this was technically it should be looked at as a transition year because the transition of power was 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 kind of weird. It's it's not normal in college basketball, but um, yeah, that, that, that's a standpoint and perspective that that I try and look at it from. And I I definitely agree with what you just said. This was like McKee's first year with a roster of people that he wanted. Um, I think like the first or second episode, I really did dove in on all the transfer moves. And, you know, last year they had, what, six guys going out, six new guys coming in. Um, And yeah, with this being his first year with that roster that he wants and the crazy year that it was, like you said, how many practices before their first game, like it is a little unfair to justify what the roster could do because they haven't had that full year. So I absolutely agree with that. Um, we did get some news this week, which I, I didn't even put this in my notes. I just thought of it. Uh, JP Mormon announced he's transferring. What were your thoughts on that? Um, like, I mean, was that expected? I know him and Perry were the, the ones up in the air. Um, yeah, I, w- I would say it wasn't – I didn't necessarily know one way or another whether it's expected. I kind of got word of it when he, when he was entering his name of the portal. And, when, like, I, I heard about it. It was um, – before it was announced, it was, it was like, okay, like, this is – it's not shocking. Um, I think it was a mutually bene- beneficial decision, a mutual bene- beneficial decision for both parties. Um, JP did a lot for this program on and off the court. I think you would look at him as somebody who could be a, a great world player on, on a good team. And, you know, they asked him probably to do a lot more than he was as a player. And at times he gave you a lot. And at times, um, you know, he, he didn't give you enough. So I think he, he should be lauded for everything that he did off the court for this this program. I think you probably, you know, maybe he didn't give, not that he didn't give everything that he had, but maybe there was, you know, some potential left in the tank for him to do on the court that, you know, didn't really get the results that he wa- had wanted to. But I, I think, you know, and this isn't a surprise. I, honestly, in my opinion, I think he could go play power five and, and be like, you know, a role player on the bench for somebody. But I, I, I for the seat for the schools that I've heard that reach out to him, I, I would expect him to go closer to home and play like at an HBCU. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, if you look at um, Dre, I, I think Dre might be in the same boat. I think they didn't. I mean, they said, if you look at like the Twitter tea leaves, they're like, we're going to miss these guys to Dre Perry and JP Moorman. And it's kind of like, okay, like, if you want to come back, we'll take you, but we can't promise you that we're going to have, like, you're going to be able to start, but like, if you want to move on the greener pastures or whatever, we'll, we'll have your, you'll have our support no matter what. So I think Dre is, will probably take a similar suit. Um, and then, you know, your third senior your grad transfer, Brennan Barry, um, you know, I, I honestly would not be shocked if any of them are not back. I think if Barry does play college basketball again, it will be in a temple uniform. Um, but if he if he doesn't, he'll he'll probably go play overseas. That's just my guess. Um, 
been in contact with him recently and he hasn't, he said, he said he hasn't decided one way or another yet. So, you know, that is, uh, it remains to be seen, but I mean, they still have for, for the fans who want to know what they're probably going to do with that, that last scholarship spot there. I mean, they're definitely going to try and bring in a big, I mean, that's something that they know that they need to. So they know the staff needs, they need size in, inside. So, I mean, that that's, what we're going to get there going to look for with that third scholarship spot especially with you know 600 players already being in the portal um and i agree with what you said it mutual benefit mutually beneficial to both parties with the mormon and temple like yeah i loved mormon on the court i thought what you said like he he did good at times and there was times where i think everybody just wanted a little bit more from him and he just sometimes couldn't give that to us but i think he was a great team player a great role model for some of the younger guys this season especially uh and perry as well like if and I, I agree if Perry leaves, it is what it is. And I think it for both of them, their minutes next year might have dropped drastically because of, you know, Sage Tolbert, uh, Jaleel White, Hicks, Miller. Um, so, yeah, if it's better for them to go elsewhere and continue their careers like that, I think Barry is the intriguing one, because if he does come back, I think his role is a little more carved out, like just being a spot up shooter like that. I mean, you always are going to get minutes the way the game is played now. Um, so we'll see what he does. Um, that is good to hear about that that scholarship remaining. That it seems like they're they're zoning in on a, a experienced big man. I think that was uh, a lot of people's concern. So, yeah, and from what I understand, I, I know fans might like to speculate about this, but I wouldn't be surprised if if Arashma Parson and Ty Strickland, Ty Strickland stuck around. I I mean I don't I feel like people like to you know. Um, really de debate one way or another or kind of, okay, it's like writings on the wall for these guys didn't see a lot of playing time, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if either one of those or either one of them are still on the team going into the next season. So I, I would honestly say they probably have that, that one scholarship. Okay. I, I would anticipate that they have that one scholarship to play with, but if they have more, like, you know, it, it obviously is, is bene beneficial for them. Uh, and I got to ask, what is uh, Ray Dunn doing at 2 a.m. that he broke this news about J.P. Mormon? <laughs> uh, I have no idea, honestly, but um, I, I tipped him off to it. Um, Ray has a Ray has a good relationship with, with J.P. Mormon. So uh, it's something I, I had heard and then I tipped him off and, and Ray was able to get that scoop. So uh, a little little, you know, assist there from for me. Um, <laughs> not not going to take all the credit because Ray did the heavy lifting. But um, me and me and him, I, I, I helped him get that so that's awesome i didn't i didn't know that part but i was the next morning i woke up i'm like this says this tweet was at 2 a.m like what is yeah. that breaking news uh for temple sports not when you expect it <laughs> um so i guess we'll transition into football um i know on your guys show uh if you guys i think most of our fans if they're listening to me they probably already listen to you guys aside from like a few of my friends but uh um if you don't listen to al scoop already go listen to them they're they're the real uh, temple reporters i'm just doing this for fun um but they've they've had a couple of the players on their show in the last couple of weeks uh after talking to a couple of the players what are your thoughts on you know the direction of the program now because i know the the sky was kind of falling there for a little bit so is it now that you've talked to a couple of players does it seem a little brighter yeah, no, I, I've always kind of been the one to um, been like, let's calm down. Let, let's let this take its course. And I understand the freaking out um, from my perspective. I always saw like, OK, like a lot of these guys, you have to understand, like have been through four coaches at this point. They have an extra year of eligibility, maybe some local kids and they want to get like see the greener pastures, go beyond 
playing in, in Philadelphia or whatever. And can you blame them? Like, I mean, it's, it's the same thing. So, I mean, if they didn't have an extra year of eligibility left because of COVID, they would have graduated. So you have to look at it like that in a vacuum. And I think people kind of overreact because you see all this. There are so many programs who have had mass exoduses. I mean, look at a program like Northwestern. And I know you wanted to talk about the Northwestern defensive back that they brought and I guess we'll chat about that later, but a program like Northwestern who has, you know, a great head coach and um, Pat Fitzgerald, like, and seeing the amount of players that left that program, um, the, you know, Georgia Tech had a ton of players in the portal. It's just a national phenomenon in college football. Um, from what I understand, there wasn't a mutiny in the locker room, but necessarily a lot of veteran, like Rod Carey didn't bring in a lot of these guys who, who left. If, if Rod Carey, if players Rod Carey had brought in, start entering the transfer portal, then you can say, okay, like what's going on here? But not a single one. So, I mean, they were brought in by more like a rah-rah guy, like Jeff Collins, a lot of these guys, or or Matt, or some like Anthony Russo and Isaiah Graham Mobley who were, who were brought in by, by Matt Rule. Um, so in Rod Carey is the complete opposite of those two guys. He just, he's just more laid back, meat and potatoes. So that's just who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, so after having, um, you know, I spoke with Kobe Wilson, we had Amir Tyler earlier, I, I think maybe in 2020, we had him on or early 2021, uh, CJ Perez, David Martin Robinson, and most of those guys, you know, they want to be here. Um, well, no, all of them I've talked to want to be here. They're kind of all, they want to, and Temple wants guys who want to be here. Like that's who they want on their team. I think they did a good job of, of working the transfer portal and getting guys who were, you know, maybe not seeing the playing time that they would have liked at Power Fives or had the talent and just weren't able to put it together, like playing at that level. And, you know, I think they were able to, to come out, you know, really well there. Um, I think, you know, they start spring, spring ball on our, uh, April 5th. So, you know, I, I think it's definitely in, I definitely think that they have time to, to really build this up. And I think they, they got a lot of talent um, for me. I don't, I, I don't, I think Temple has, has kind of gone through that, gone through the passage of all that, you know, it was a, it was a heavy storm, but they stayed together. And I think a lot of these guys, they like each other who's left. They like each other. They want to play for one another and, you know, they're all in the program. I mean, I have this anecdote in my Kobe Wilson story that Rod Carey pretty much like, um, you know, he, he wants these players to sign like a covenant that they're like 100% in this program. If you sign that covenant, you get a wristband that says you're 100% in to kind of just like prove to yourself that you are 100% in the program. And, you know, there are some guys who didn't sign it and some guys who have. But I think the encouraging thing is a lot of the young players want to be here. You know, the players that he he and his staff recruited, they want to be here and they want to be a part of changing the program into the, um, you know, the into the future. I think it's very comparable to the basketball team because look at like the max exodus that the basketball program had last year. But it, but if you look at that, it's just like if you look at it like that, it's just a new staff coming in and bringing in their guys and guys who they didn't bring in leave. And then you look at the basketball team and people are like, oh, well, well, Damian Dunn and Caleb Battle, well, those guys are not Caleb Battle because you're a chancellor, but Damian Dunn and Jeremiah Williams. I mean, well, those guys, those guys aren't going anywhere. And then that's how you can look at the Kobe Wilsons and, um, uh, you know, the other young players on Temple's roster, Alex Odom, Trey Blair, so MJ Griffin, some of those guys. Those guys aren't going anywhere. They're buying into what they're doing here. Um, obviously, like one in six leaves like a sour taste in, in people's mouths but like um I, I feel like i i don't remember who it was i think maybe it was david martin robinson who said this and i feel like 
Um, they felt a little bit like a lot more players overreacted, so to speak, to that one and six record because that one and six record wasn't indicative of the talent that Temple had on their roster. I mean, I think they they got put through the ringer more than anybody in the conference dealing with COVID, um, you know, and injuries too. And I mean, honestly, like if the leadership might have been a little bit stronger in the athletic department, I don't know if they would have played as many games as they did. So, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I, I think it's it's a season where you have like a bad, bad taste in your mouth. And I, I think you're going to see a lot of players who are ready to, to change that narrative of that one and six and definitely coaching staff who, who wants to. But I think it's one of those where you, you've got a lot of young players, some valuable experience. And now, you know, you kind of rebooted and, and want to, get this program in the right direction after that. So, I mean, I've, I've always been in the more trend more optimistic when players like Chris Banks and Arnold Abiketti entered the transfer portal, you're like, what's going on here? Because especially because those guys are supposed to be two starters, but I mean, you look at Arnold, like it's understandable because, you know, he, he was, he probably would have had a Quincy Roche level production that Quincy Roche, like won the AAC, he would have, had like close to that, maybe not like what Quincy did, but like close to that if there was a full season. And then he did pretty much did what Quincy did and, and transferred up to the power five. And Quincy probably would have been able to be where he's at right now with with Temple. I mean, even in the draft, maybe a little bit lower, but he, I mean, he was able to go play against, um, you know, a higher level of opponents in, in ACC, in the ACC. So, um, yeah. And then, I mean, yeah, that, that's kind of where I stand. I, I understand the fans' perspective and looking at it, but, like, we don't know everything that's going on. And, like, for me, like, I I obviously know more of what's going on in the locker room than, like, the average fan who's, like, calling for Rod Carey to be fired. So, like, it's – and there's so, only so much that we can say knowing they go on. So, like, when you know um, – but I don't know. I, I feel like there's a reason to, to be optimistic about both programs, both basketball and football. And, I, I mean – I, I've always said, like, I think this football team is, um, you know, they're at a spot where, like, if they can get on the field in spring practice and be able to mesh that that talent well together and have time to prepare, yeah, they'll be in a good spot. But, like, if they don't, you'll probably see, like, a four, five-win team. But um, obviously that remains to be seen, but it looks like, you know, with a vaccine getting, um, you know, with everybody probably going to be vaccinated around – or everyone who needs one by like May at this point, I, th- I think they're in a good spot. So um, yeah, I, I feel, I feel decent about, about the, the uh, future of, of the football program. Uh, what, what can you tell us about that Northwestern transfer? And they've gotten a couple other ones in the last couple of weeks. Who, who have yeah, the transfers no. coming in? Are you really excited about? Um, I will, I'll just go off most of them. I, I think, I think I'm excited about Cameron Ruiz. I think he um, he got exposed in, at Northwestern when he, when he played more outside cornerback, but I think this is a guy, Templo said that they want to play more of a 4-2-5 formation where you have five defensive backs on the field. Um, and Cameron Ruiz, I think, is a really solid nickelback, and, and he'll probably be there. If I had the guess, I'd say he'd probably start at nickelback over somebody like Ty Mason Jr., um, that's no disrespect to Ty. I just think Cameron Ruiz has a higher level of playing experience and Ty also opted out of last year and, and has been dealt with injuries as well. So, um, yeah, so Cameron, I think Cameron Ruiz is a nice pickup. I mean, some of the other guys that you mentioned, the UNC guys that they got around January, uh, Lance and a Torre, who's, who's the brother of, of Kamoko Torre, and I believe his other brother plays to Rutgers. Kamoko is on a, I'm hoping I'm saying his name right, but he's a Colts pass rusher. 
Um, but I, I, that's a nice pickup for them. He's, an, he's an, somebody who can come off the edge. But I, I think he's what they, they want is kind of offensive lineman who, who can, or defensive lineman who, who can be versatile along the line. And, 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 and to Ray, I think he put on a good amount of weight and can probably play interior, but he can also rush off the exterior. Um, Zach Gill is the guy who um, they already voted him to their leadership council. I don't, I, he hasn't been here that long. I think that should should say how they feel about him in the locker room. So he's going to be a leader and I would expect him to, to be essentially a Dan Archibald replacement. I think he, he can do a lot with Dan does. Um, and, and then they brought in Western Kramer from Northern Illinois, who is just a guy who goes about his business. He, he was second team on Mac. Um, he, he gets in there and does the dirty work, kind of somebody that they needed in, in the middle there. Um, I, I would be surprised if Weston and, and Zach Gill aren't starting in the middle with somebody like Will Rogers, who they brought from Washington State, coming off the edge, and then another guy like Manny Walker. So you, you're going to have I, – I mean, I, we spoke with Dan Archibong on the pro day, and he's like, yeah, we have a really young lot. But I think he, he wasn't accounting for like – well, not that he wasn't accounting for, but like – he doesn't know most of these guys. So, I mean, they might have three new starters on the defensive line, but, like, if you have a lot of experience, especially with th- uh, two guys who are playing at, pa- at Power 5 and then somebody who is, you know, one of the better players in the MAC conference, like, I think something you'd be excited about. Well, I mean, there were, were there any other transfers that you wanted to touch on? I, th- I think those were the more, more recent ones that maybe we um, – How about um the running back that they got? Uh, Iverson Clement. From- yeah, Iverson Clement. Yeah, he was at what Florida? Yeah, he, yeah. he's. A, I think he's a more dynamic threat that um, kind of versatile, fast back um, out of the backfield. I think he, he's more of your ground, like the old-fashioned ground and pound. I think he's more your ground and, and Rayvon Boner from uh, from Illinois is your pound kind of. Mm-hmm. So, um, no disrespect to Tavon really. I think Tavon really really did a lot. And, you know, he, he's somebody who's worked his way up for his program from being a walk-on to being the team starting running back after Raymond Davis left via the transfer portal. But uh, I, th- I would expect really to, to get to be their third running back. Um, and I, I think that's a really – I mean, they have a really solid running back depth chart. I mean, it, it's it's hard because you know there's some guys who are talented and probably should be seeing the field. But, I, but I mean, to be able to get – Guys like Bonner and, and and Clement, I didn't think Temple could pass up either one. I think the run game should should definitely be improved this year. Not, I mean, it, it wasn't exactly like great, but it also wasn't their primarily their issue. If, I mean, they had so much movement around around the offensive line, and then you know when you have six different quarterbacks out there, or at least it felt like it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, the opposing team is going to stack the box and, and dare you to pass the ball. So that's um, that. Hopefully, that's that's an improvement from from the year before. Um, but yeah, no, I, I kind of uh, I, I I like what they brought in via the transfer portal, and I wouldn't expect them to be done at all. Um, you know, there's still moves to make. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought. I mean. Well, they need to bring in a kicker. That's that goes without saying. Rod Carey said that, but um, maybe I think they're waiting a bit because I would I would bet on them probably bringing in somebody from the FCS. Um, if, if fans remember somebody like Jacob Lafree who came from Indianapolis University as a grad transfer, I would I would expect something like that. And the FCS, a lot of schools are playing in the spring, mm-hmm. so you know that that could be what they're waiting for. I don't think they're quite ready to to give Rory Bell the, the keys to to the kicking room just yet, but. 
Um, kicker, I think, would be their number one need right now. And um, other other than that, I mean, I think anything else, they still have a little bit of scholarships left at this point, but I think anybody, anything else would be gravy at this point. Um, I think I would also look maybe for, I don't think they necessarily need a linebacker, but I mean, they were in on Lance Dixon, the, the Penn State transfer who ended up at West Virginia. So if that should tell you anything, it's probably that they're interested in bringing in a guy who might have, um, you know, multiple years of eligibility left or maybe a grad transfer linebacker. So um, I, I think the two positions you might have to look out for them to bring in is, is probably a linebacker and offensive line. And then, you know, from what I've heard, Jaden, every indication is that Jaden Blue and Randall Jones will come back, but, you know, they can also enter the transfer portal at any time. So um, I think they wanted to feel out the quarterback room and, and really, you know, with Deuce Mathis uh, prob- probably leading the way as a starter, um, especially with Trad Betty retiring. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think I think you would probably say kicker, um, linebacker, offensive line would probably be the ones that come to mind. Maybe another back, um, and then and then we'll see what happens with the wide receiver position. Have you had the chance to talk to Mathis at all? Uh, I've not. I <laughs> we try to get. I try to get in touch with him. I spoke to his father a little bit, but um, Temp, I don't, I, Temple kind of has this world that really don't want. You know, if, I mean, they don't. They're not like in person, so I know that the communication staff can't really like teach them that well. So they don't really like if they don't know them that well, they don't want to just throw them in the fire and, and have them speak to reporters. Um, mm-hmm. I tried getting in before like he committed to the temple because we kind of heard like rumblings and I had spoken to his father and, and tried, but kind of to no avail. So, but I, I mean, I've heard good things, and and I mean, CJ Perez spoke very highly of him uh, on our podcast. So, I mean, I, I would anticipate that he's. I, I don't think he's, you know, they don't have a starter right now, but I anticipate that in the coaches, like in, in that imaginary depth chart that, you know, that they have in their head, I would assume that he's probably leading the way and it, it's probably his job to lose. But I mean, he, he could definitely be pushed for it without a doubt. That's, I mean, I'm in the same boat and just based off of his recruiting and, you know, I know that they say don't always go off the rivals stars, but he, he seemed like a highly recruited guy for a reason. So I would agree with it. It looks like it might be his job to lose. If Trad was still here, it would be a different story. But Trad leaving, I think, kind of set it open for Mathis's uh, opportunity, I believe. Um, yeah, and um, we, we had heard that there's rumors that Real Mitchell might move to wide receiver. I, it doesn't look like that's happening at the moment. Um, I, I don't know the case. That's just something that I heard. But I think obviously with Trad Betty retiring, you kind of need to have his body in the quarterback room. I think he is he's a talented player. He obviously didn't show you a lot last year, but I mean, it, it's kind of hard. Um, but I do real I do know that they really like Mariano Valenti from who's a quarterback they brought in from Northern Illinois. Obviously, the staff liked him there. They yeah. liked him and they liked him now. He was ineligible last year because he couldn't get a hardship waiver to play right away. Um, he he definitely probably would have played over Kamal Gray if, if that was the case. Um, they like Matt Duncan. They really like Justin. They really like Justin Lynch, who they're bringing in. They they would prefer to redshirt him because he's going to come in as a 17 year old freshman. But I mean, that, he's definitely the future of the of the program, um, depending on what we see out of Mathis. But I but I think Lynch, they were they really really like Lynch. So yeah, I, I would say it's going to be an open competition at quarterback. But I think, it, honestly, like with all con- things considered, everything being even and, and looking at, 
you know, the, the bigger picture of things of bringing an SEC quarterback, it's probably his job to lose. But I, this is a program that doesn't really promise starting positions. You got to come in and earn it. And I think that's what a lot of players like in the transfer portal that they're not, you know, being handed things. They're, they're going to say, you got to come in and you got to compete. So DeJuan Mathis is probably going to have to, he's going to have to earn the respect of his teammates. He's going to have to come in and compete. And I mean, if you're a Temple fan, you're hoping that he's your starting quarterback um, week one, but you know, that remains to be seen. Um, and you said spring balls, April 5th, any word, is that open yet? Or are we to be determined uh, kind of deal? It's kind of <laughs> to be determined. I'm assuming that we'll have zoom available. I, I'm, I'm going to assume that the media availability is going to continue on zoom. I would hope that maybe they allow us to come out and watch practice socially distance, but that's kind of up in the air right now. Um, you just, you just don't know. So, mm-hmm. you know, kind of keeping my fingers crossed because, you know, we, that's something that you, you would love to, to be able to do, but um, we'll, we'll see. But it, it's encouraging nonetheless that, you know, that I, I carry one of the give his guys time off as much as possible and kind of push it off. I mean, they've been on the field working out and that sort of stuff, but nothing like concrete like spring ball is. I think it's just more conditioning and, and stuff like that and getting to know the playbook before they ramp up stuff in, uh, which I think is less than three weeks now. So, yeah, so it's going to be here before we know it, which I'm yeah. excited for because of, like I'm looking forward to next football season just because I, a, how disappointing this one was with the, you know, COVID record wise and all that. But I, I think I'm just already excited to go to a game again. Like it looks like we're trending and that we'll be able to be at the games. So just hearing that spring ball is a, upon us. I'm, I'm kind of excited, like just for next season to just go down to a game and, you know, watch the team live. I think that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I have no idea if I'll be able to do that again. So um, yeah, it's <laughs> a view there. I'm a graduating senior. I'll be out of here and, uh, Two months, but hopefully I'll be able to stick around. So we'll, we'll see about that. <laughs> what? Uh, so well, let's get to the Temple Senior uh, Pro Day uh, that they had. Uh, was that yesterday? It was on Tuesday. 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 How how did that go? Who who kind of stood out at that? I know they had a couple um, guys. Unfortunately, we weren't. The media wasn't, you know, able to see the results. We we got the results. I think obviously, you know, the two guys who stand out are. Brandon Mack and Dan Archibong. Archibong's times weren't great. I mean, him running a 5.33 as a defensive tackle is not really surprising in a 40-yard dash. Uh, I I was told – well, he told us that, that scouts didn't really want to worry um, – told them not to really worry about that because he's a big guy. I don't think they're really more worried about play speed for that position. Um, but he, he's a leaner guy. I honestly, like, have compared it to this. I feel like he – like, during – I think Michael Dogby played at the Shrine Bowl or the senior, one of those. And he, he was kind of converted to defensive end and he played more interior defensive line at Temple. I mean, I feel like that's something you might see out of Dan Archibong just because, you know, you don't see a lot of 295 pound guys playing, um, you know, inside in the NFL, but maybe he'll pack on 10 more pounds or something like that at the next level in the NFL strength program. Um, I believe he told Martin Arducci the Inquirer that he's been told rounds four through seven. I would expect him to be a day three pick. I think he did enough in his senior season, uh, definitely. Well, as a graduate student, so technically his his senior season has yeah. to warrant being drafted on day three, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, as for Brandon Mack, he, he ran a bit faster than scouts thought. That's what he told us. Um, he did speak to a decent amount of scouts. I mean, he, he has that that ideal mold for a red zone threat receiver at like six foot five, 215 pounds. 
Um, I had somebody float this idea to me in my Twitter mentions, actually, like, what about him playing a tight end, like a Darren Waller type? Not that Brandon Mack is Darren Waller, but like he's six, he's an athletic guy who, who could be a matchup nightmare at that position. He's obviously a good run blocker. So maybe, maybe teams are interested in, in doing that. But yeah, those are the two guys that stood out. Kamir Brown ran a pretty decent 40. Um, I, I think what was pretty interesting is Aaron Monroe. Uh, you you got to be, you know, a pretty d- decent enough Temple fan to, to remember that name. But he, he started at safety for the Owls in, in their um, last season before uh, the pandemic. And so 2019, they brought him in as a grad transfer from Penn State. He was, I mean, he was decent. He wasn't anything special. But apparently, like, you know, the Ram, the Los Angeles Rams had, had called him and told him to be ready, you know, just in case anything had happened with any of their defensive backs with COVID. He didn't end up getting a call. But I found that interesting to be interesting to say the least yeah <laughs> um but i i would expect archibon to get drafted mac I'm, I'm not entirely sure of right now i think you know he he might have done himself favors with his 40 time it's a deep wide receiver class um you know maybe he could sneak in there in in the seventh round if the team wants to throw him a bone um six or seven round i think i can see him being drafted i haven't really asked around yet um i think kind of wait and see thing but i i would be shocked at two of those guys if those two guys are in camps to, to start the uh, the season. Yeah, with max size, and I, I just see it. He'll he'll definitely get hooked on somewhere, uh, even if it's just an undrafted guy as a practice guy or something. But with that size, I don't see him not getting a chance. Um, who knows? Matt Rule might give him a call. He's been helping out a lot of Temple yeah, guys. Yeah, he, would, he would be the fourth uh, former Temple Hour receiver to be in there. So yeah, until um, Keith Kirkwood and, and Robbie. So what's another, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just add, add it all to the group. Um, and you just said, uh, you're, you're two, two months away from graduating. What's, what's yeah. your next step in life? Where's, uh, Sam Newman going next? God, I wish I knew. Um, <laughs> you're, yeah, you're a great uh, senior then nobody knows it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Um, just been looking around applying, uh, you know, I would love to be able to cover the team for God knows how long, but you know, this is, well, I'll cover spring ball as much as I can, and we'll see what happens from there. But, uh, yeah, no, the job search is, has kicked off. It, it's been going for a while, and then we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, no, I know anybody that's <laughs> probably like, yeah, we all been in your shoes. It's, it's yeah. definitely, definitely not a, um, a walk in the park by any stretch of the imagination, especially with the pandemic. But, I was um, going to say, this this time of the year during a pandemic yeah, probably but, isn't easy you know, to apply places. <laughs> I, I, know, I know I'll land on my feet somewhere. It's just a matter of um, – when not if so are we looking in philly or are you going to go back home or who knows uh who knows i'm looking all over you know you, you kind of have to have that mindset is uh especially in this industry so you know i i'm from charlotte north carolina so i'd love to end up in charlotte or philly i mean two great cities but you know wherever yeah. it takes me uh, so that, that's kind of the way i look at it but you know i always Temple will always have a special place in my heart, especially the athletic program. I mean, be able to cover it like I have for the past three years is couldn't ask for anything more. So, well, no matter where you end up, we'll always welcome you back here onto the podcast. And uh, you can always, always welcome to keep talking Temple football and basketball uh, with us. Um, we'll finish it with this. Uh, you said later tonight you're going to watch some of the, the tournament games after class. What's your final four pick? Um, not like that obscure. Like I, I feel like a lot of people have this final four, um, but just off the games that I've watched and what I've been going through, um, just sifting through, I have Gonzaga playing Alabama and Illinois playing Baylor. And then I have Gonzaga playing Illinois in the championship with Gonzaga knocking off 
Illinois and becoming, you know, the, I think the first undefeated team to win the championship since like Indiana did in the seventies. Um, so yeah, you know, that, that not, not anything too crazy. Um, I, I usually have done that and got burned in years past. Not going <laughs> to do that this year. No, no, no five or six seeds is knocking their way in there. Three, one seeds and, and two seeds and a two seed. I, I'm comfortable with that, but even saying that I'll probably end up being wrong, but I, I guess, you know, that's the, the fun in it, or so we say. <laughs> I had almost the exact one. I had, I originally had Baylor, and I just took him out for Arkansas instead. But um, and then I have Illinois beating Gonzaga. But I hated everything I picked during it. Like I, I'm like, this is all wrong. But it is what it is. <laughs> so, um, best of luck to you, Sam. Uh, have have good good time in class in about 30 minutes. And uh, thanks again for uh, joining us. I really really appreciate it, man. Yeah, definitely. Love coming on. And anytime you want me back, just hit me up. I'd love to be back on. No problem. And uh, everybody else, enjoy the tournament. Uh, Enjoy the weekend. Um, And as always, I'll be back.